hello and welcome to a very special edition of Archaeology News Weekly. Why is it special? Well, I've just got uh, a little bit of time before I'm nipping off to do some fabulous community archaeology at uh, Amos Hill Walled Garden and heading off to Turkey. And I thought to myself, I can't just leave you without a new podcast. So... I've uh, managed to put together some of the stories from Stone Pages and by the time you hear this, I will hopefully be enjoying myself in uh, the far east of Turkey, around Gobekli Tepe and Nemrut Dağ. Can't wait for it. Anyway, you don't want to hear about my holiday, you want to hear the archaeology news, don't you? And the news, of course, is brought to you in partnership between Stone Pages and the British Archaeological Jobs and Resources website, along with Past Horizons. Well, all these stories have been collected from various sources, and if you want to view the details in each story, including the all-important source, you're going to have to see the Stone Pages website at news.stonepages.com. What have we got for you? Well, we've got a Bronze Age chronology being revised by an ancient weather report. I kid you not. Prehistoric DNA paints a far more complex picture of human evolution. And we've got 4,000-year-old pit houses found in Arizona. There's new insights on ancient Portuguese horse engravings. And, I'm afraid to say, vandals have damaged some beautiful rock art in Northumberland in northern England. There's a logboat, amongst other things, dating back four and a half thousand years, being found in Ireland. And we have the evidence of the first human settlers in Scotland, not far from where I am just now. We remain in Scotland for the final story, which is the re-erection of a standing stone that had fallen over. Well, let's start off by heading to Egypt and an ancient weather report. An inscription on a three and a half thousand year old stone block from Egypt may be one of the world's oldest ones. Weather report that is, and could provide new evidence about the chronology of events in the ancient Middle East. The stella dates to the reign of the Pharaoh Amose, the first Pharaoh of the 18th dynasty and beginning of the New Kingdom when Egypt's power reaches its height. It was found in pieces in Thebes, which is now Luxor, where he ruled. A new translation of the 40-line inscription on the 1.8-metre-tall calcite block called the Tempest Stella describes rain, darkness and the sky being in storm without cessation, louder than the cries of the masses. Well, Nadine Moller and Robert Rittner, both of University of Chicago's Oriental Institute, believe the weather described the slab was the result of a massive volcanic eruption at Thera, present-day island of Santorini in the Mediterranean. The translation suggests the pharaoh ruled at a time closer to the eruption than previously thought. Importantly, the text refers to events affecting both the Delta region and the area of Egypt further south along the Nile. If the stella does describe the aftermath of the Thera catastrophe, the pharaoh's reign, currently thought to be around 1550 BCE, could actually be 30 to 50 years earlier. Oriental Institute Associate Professor David Schloen says the revised dating could mean other events in the ancient Near East fit together more logically, such as the fall of the power of the Canaanites and the collapse of the Babylonian Empire. For example, the eruption and resulting tsunami would have destroyed the Hyksos ports and significantly weakened their sea power. 
disruption to trade and agriculture would have undermined the Babylonian Empire and could explain why they were unable to fend off an invasion by the Hittites. Although work is underway to get accurate dating around the time of Ahmosis, who ruled after the period when the Hyksos had seized power in Egypt. That work also has pushed back the dates of his reign closer to the explosion of Thera. According to Dr. Mike Bunce, a researcher at Curtin University's Trace and Environmental DNA Laboratory, the ability to look deeper past the traditional methods of simple carbon dating fossils and determining their morphology represents a whole new level of collecting quantifiable data that will lead to more conclusive findings about human and animal evolution. Interestingly, these new findings about the long history of human genetics are not necessarily lining up with previously held notions of human evolution. Really? Science writer Annie Haswell points out several examples, such as a 400,000-year-old femur that was found in the Pit of Bones in the Atapuerca Caves in northern Spain, which was recently analysed using DNA sequencing techniques. Rather than the Neanderthal origins scientists expected to find in the DNA, they found evidence that the most recently identified hominid, the mysterious Denisovan, previously thought to be confined to Siberia and Australasia, had at some stage interbred with European Neanderthals. A similar finding came from a DNA-based look at Homo floresiensis, another early humanoid race that is sometimes badly referred to as hobbits due to their markedly small stature. Originally discovered in Indonesia, Homo floresiensis was inexplicably able to migrate over the Wallace Line near Borneo. Subtle genetic variations in ancient remains are fracturing the more simplified traditional view. There are still limitations to the genetic sequencing approach to piecing together human evolution. The sequencing process often reveals results that are disembodied from the fossils themselves. Researcher Wolfgang Hack from the Australian Centre for DNA explains that the actual collection of bones is not as complete as the genetic information. We have the full Denisovan genome, but no skeleton, just a small finger bone. And then in Spain, we have the fossils that are Neanderthals, but genetically they look like Denisovans. But we can't compare them because we don't actually have any Denisovan fossils there. Then in Flores, we've got a perfect hobbit skeleton, but no DNA. Because of this, work still needs to be done to reconcile DNA results with actual fossils. DNA sequencing of ancient human remains shows how different races interbred, migrated, influenced one another, and were influenced in turn, shaping our understanding of the immensely complex process that led to modern humanity. A major ancient human settlement, possibly dating back 4,000 years, including pit houses, the likely remnants of irrigation canals and human burials, has been discovered under the site of a planned shopping centre in southern Arizona. The settlement is likely to be from the early agricultural period, which predates the Hohokam culture, which existed in southern and central Arizona from around about 500 CE to 1450 CE. About 145 archaeological features have so far been found, including 37 pit houses, the canal, 14 other architectural features, and 1887 of them outside the settlement, along with six burials. Hohokam-era remains have also been found at the site near the ground surface. Um, However, the earlier remains themselves have been found at a depth of four metres, 
from a period between around about 2000 BCE to 200 CE. The apparent canal has a U-shaped channel containing a layer of burnt charcoal, which is very common for these type of features. While there's no certain dates, the canal could come from the period between 2500 to 1500 BCE, but probably isn't older than the region's earliest canal, dating to around about 1500 BCE. Archaeologists have only begun to understand in the last 15 years or so that communities lived along the river up to 4,000 or so years ago. Particularly important is that the communities irrigated agriculture, usually growing maize. There has indeed been a revolution in archaeological perceptions of the beginning of agriculture in the Sonoran Desert. We still know very limited amounts of information, however, about these early years of farming. And sites like this one are going to be very important for the future. Now, it's our George Nash uh, story of the week. It's almost as bad as Stonehenge story of the week. So, hello again to George Nash and Dr. Sara Garces from the Earth and Memory Institute in central Portugal, who've been conducting fieldwork within the lower section of the Ocreza Valley for the past four years. The fieldwork involves the recording of rock art within an 850-metre stretch of the valley at a point where the Ocreza f- flows into the Tiagas River. In the recent past, both rivers have been subjected to water levels dictated by the various dams that interfere with seasonal river flow. The team directors, who organise each year a field school devoted to rock art, have, since 2011, been recording six panels. One of these is an upper paleolithic engraving of a horse, which was initially discovered in September 2000, and since then has been the focus of further research. The horse is engraved on a smooth angled surface that forms part of a schist outcrop and appears to be headless. However, a recent tracing exercise in the summer of 2013 revealed that this figure did in fact possess a head. That's always good. The style of the figure is representative of other engraved Upper Paleolithic horses found elsewhere within the western part of the Iberian Peninsula. Also important is the landscape position in which the engraving is located. This and other horse engravings appear to stand close to naturally forming seasonal rapids. Although this fact is difficult to assess, the directors of the field team have timed visits to the Ocreza Valley to coincide with natural seasonal water flow. The archaeologists suggest in a forthcoming paper that there is in fact a deliberate link between engraved horses, their landscape position and running water. Now, vandals unfortunately have carved into a historic piece of rock art at Lordenshaw near Rothbury, Northumberland. Police are appealing for information after the rock panel near the Simonside Hills was targeted by vandals. The site... um, in the National Park has sweeping views over the town and the Coquette Valley and attracts many visitors. But now, sadly, the words Don's Mick Jazz, a beautiful piece of uh, prose that, have been carved into the rock on the main cup and ring panel. A lot of local people are amazingly annoyed about this. That's the polite version of saying it. Because of the sense of pride in their local heritage, so says National Park Historic Environment Officer Chris Jones. The rock art is part of a complex archaeological landscape at Lordenshaws, which was designated as a scheduled ancient monument back in the 1950s because of its importance to the nation. It's precious and a special place because it has a connection between the people from that area thousands of years ago and communities today. 
The person or people who have done this might think it was nothing more than a bit of harmless fun, but they have now spoiled forever an ancient monument that many people come to visit. Anybody with information is asked to contact Northumbria Police on 101, quoting the reference 487 070414, or you can phone Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 that's, you can phone up Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 one and quote reference 487-07-0414. Let's catch these vandals. A 4,500-year-old logboat is among 12 early Bronze Age, Iron Age and medieval craft that has been located in Loch Corrib in County Galway and County Mayo in Ireland, along with several Viking-style battle axes and other weapons. The vessels were discovered by Marine Surveyor Captain Northage while mapping the Western Lake to update British Admiralty charts. Investigative dives were subsequently carried out last summer by the Underwater Archaeology Unit of the National Monument Service and radiocarbon dating of the samples was then conducted. The 4,500-year-old logboat settled into the mud when it sank and was covered over time. A mixture of organic sediment and lake water assisted in the preservation process. Even the seats in the boats were preserved. The oldest of the vessels, the 4,500-year-old Anachin logboat, had already been lying on the bed for some 3,500 years when the Vikings arrived. The 12-metre vessel is almost identical to the Lurgan logboat found in 1902 and the Caronaden boat, which was found in County Mayo in 1996. The Anachin boat was made from a very large tree and it would take a lot of skill and effort to make it. Captain Northage noted the Anachin boat uh, vessel was the same age as the estimated Oak Trackway recently revealed by storms along the North Galway shoreline. These people were living in a very different landscape and working at the forefront of their technologies. All the weapons that were recovered for conservation by the National Museum included bronze spearheads and a very rare wooden spear. There's no immediate plans, however, to raise the vessels due to the high cost and the fact that where they're situated now, they're not under threat. Now, close to myself, an assemblage of over 5,000 flint artefacts had been recovered in 2005 by Bigger Archaeology Group in the fields of Howburn near Bigger in South Lanarkshire, and subsequent studies have now dated their use to around 14,000 years ago. Prior to the find, the oldest evidence of human occupation in Scotland could be dated to around 13,000 years ago at a now-destroyed cave site in Argyle. Dating to the various earliest period of the late glacial period, Howburn is likely to represent the first settlers in Scotland. The flint tools are strikingly close in design to similar finds in northern Germany and southern Denmark from the same period, a link which has helped experts to date them. The new findings were revealed by Fiona Hislop, Cabinet Secretary for the Culture and External Affairs. The definitive findings will be published next year in a report that's been funded by Historic Scotland. The hunters who left behind these flints at Howburn came into Scotland in pursuit of game, probably following herds of wild horses and reindeers, at a time when the climate improved following previous severe glacial conditions. Glacial conditions again returned to Scotland about 13,000 years ago and it was once again depopulated for at least another thousand years after which new groups with different types of flint tools made their appearance. 
The nature of the physical connections made between the people of Scotland, Germany and southern Denmark is not fully understood yet. However, the similarity in design of the tools from the two regions offers tantalising glimpses of connections across what would have once been dry land and is now drowned by the North Sea. Doggerland, that is. The discovery is both intriguing and revolutionises our ideas about where humans came from in this very early period. In southern Britain, early links are with northern France and Belgium. Howburn is just a chance discovery, and further such discoveries will no doubt emerge. Now for our last story. It's taken several weeks, a team of experts and two diggers, but an ancient monument in Highland Perthshire is still standing proud again. The Dane stone has been returned to its rightful place in a mullen field following a painstaking process. Despite standing strong for up to 6,000 years, the monolith toppled over in February after days of heavy rain. Studies of the site revealed that less than 20 inches of the huge stone, which is nearly 7 feet tall, remained underground at the time it fell. Time and agricultural work around it had taken its toll on the site surrounding the stone, exposing more of the base each year. In a bid to prevent this from happening again, a concrete pit has been created and about one third of the quartzite stone has now been buried in the ground. Oliver Lewis, senior manager for Historic Scotland, said that the height of the stone now is probably how high it would have been when it was first put up. Over the years, gradual agricultural improvements have removed the soil from around it. So at the beginning of this year, it was just seven seven feet above the ground and leaning quite badly. It's been set deeper, so hopefully it won't fall over again for quite some time. Experts from Stockdale and Lyle Stonemasonry and from CFA Archaeology oversaw the operation to put the monument back in position, which was paid for by Historic Scotland. The same team have carried out similar works in the past and were employed in Fife when the peaky standing stone at Boar Hills fell over and then again in Angus in 2011 where the Carlin Well Stone at Airlie toppled. After being strapped to two diggers, that's JCBs by the way, not a couple of burly archaeologists, the Dane stone, which weighs four and a half tonne, was carefully inched back into place. Well, on that happy piece of news, um, I will just bid you farewell and will hopefully be bringing you news from Gobekli Tepe next time we talk. Don't worry. Past Horizons is going to keep going, so if you want to go along and keep up with some of the latest news, it's www.pasthorizonspr.com. And, of course, Badger will continue to provide all the latest archaeology jobs in the UK. You can always find more at Stone Pages at news.stonepages.com. So thank you very much for listening to this um, Snuck In Archaeology News, and I hope to return to you in a couple of weeks' time. Mm-hmm.